Hey, thanks for tuning in. The audio presented to you is copyrighted by Oak Ridge Baptist Church. Thank you guys. You may be seated. It is a blessing once again to be here. I think this is my third or fourth time. God is doing amazing things. I'm going to weave some illustrations into the sermon this morning. In fact, we say in missions, the number one thing is you have to be flexible. So thank you for being flexible with me this morning as you were reading the scripture. The last two weeks, I've driven over 2,000 miles to different places, been to Peru, came back, drove in last night uh, from a wedding in Gainesville, got in about midnight, and so got to drive back to Arkansas this afternoon and Uh, Would you guys just pray for me? I need rest. I want to, before I begin the sermon this morning, I think it's pertinent to the time we're we're seeing, we're living in. We we just had the the movie The Sound of Freedom come out where we're exposing sin. Thank God for that movie. And and I want to touch on some things and then I want to weave it in because I I think this this scripture is so pertinent to the times we're living in today. I want to give you greetings from my family. God has truly been good to me. Uh, they'll be on the board in just one second. Um, my wife, Jackie, I think you guys have met them before when they've been here. My older son, Tyler, is actually uh, playing in a professional soccer academy in Peru. Rarely get to see him. Pray for him as he'll be traveling to Ecuador with his team to play in a, in a tournament. Uh, tomorrow, actually, they'll leave in that. and He's just a blessing. He's 16 years old. God's given him a platform that he's disciplined and faithful to praise God in it. He takes kids from his team to church with him. And I'm just thankful that God has given me a son like that that loves the Lord with all of his heart. Michael and Nicole, and and I won't tell the story about her. I told Tony and and Norma that story today. Uh, I Am is a ministry that we started Back in 2000, I believe, 13, and I had been on the field several years before that. In fact, a disclaimer, Andrew, your pastor, is actually on my board of directors. And God began to speak to me about eight eight months ago, nine months ago now, when when I was pastoring on Arkansas. You need to start walking by faith again. He had opened doors for us to go back on the field in Peru. We came back during the, the pandemic. And God just began to speak to me. And one of the things that came out of what God was telling me I'm going to move through this quick because I want to get to the scripture. Is the next slide, God just began to, to give me something called Project 5-9. How can the people of Peru, who the majority live in extreme poverty, fulfill Acts 1-8 in the life of their local churches? Because it's not just an American church called to go overseas. It's not just a, a North American church to called to go overseas. Every local church in every context in the world, is called to the mission field. Every tribe, every language, every people and every nation, that the local church in Peru would be burdened with the mission of taking the gospel to other people groups around the world. This project we've started to implement. In fact, when Brian and Chris went down, uh, when Brian and Chris went down with us to serve, to train pastors, this is part of our overall plan. God's doing amazing things. And I want you to know this morning, as Oak Ridge supports our ministry at I Am, you guys are a huge part of what God is doing in the jungles of Peru. And so for my staff, 
who is in Peru and my family, I just want to come this morning and say thank you for praying for us and financially supporting us and sending guys to work alongside of us. You guys are a huge part of what, what God is doing there. I'm not going to read back through the scripture, so if you want to just skip to the slide that says there are only two spiritual realms. Because I, th I think sometimes we, we forget that the battle we're waging is not a battle against flesh and blood. There's powers and principalities that are working against the body of Christ and the work of Christ. And we forget about these two things. So this morning as I work through this text, I'm going to talk about not just the sins that are mentioned, but the convictions of why we shouldn't commit them. We're going to work through the characteristics of somebody that walks in light, and then I'm going to share with you this morning some stories from the Amazon jungle. Guys, and the reality is there's only two realms. In the eyes of God, there is no gray area. The area is you are in sin, you're enslaved to sin, or you're a son of God who walks in righteousness. There is no feed in both, both sides. And it begins with light this morning. And, and here's what Jesus, or here's what Paul from Paul's salvation story. We're going to break it up into light and darkness, as the Scripture does. And this is coming from Paul's conversion testimony as he's repeating it in Acts 26. And here's what, what he says. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. To appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me. And to those in which you, I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. What was he sending him to do? To open their eyes so that they may turn from what? Darkness to light. And from the power of Satan and to God. And they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And he goes on to say this, this is the message we have heard from him. This is 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Guys, the reality is Satan and darkness still has power. He's ultimately been defeated, but I think we forget that it's only through the power of prayer and the proclamation of, of the word of God that people are brought from darkness into light. And it's only by the power of an almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, and all-powerful God that somebody can be brought from darkness into light. And the great miracle of all is that each one of us is here today worshiping the King of Kings when we should be rotting, deserving hell. What a great, great God we serve. That when we were all condemned to hell, He came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, his Son, to save us from sin so that we may live for Him in light. What a great miracle, guys. He is good. And when we sing these worship songs like we sang this morning, we need to sing them with all our heart, believing every word, because He is a good, good God who withholds nothing good from His people. I'm going to work through this thing backwards this morning. I want to start with darkness. Listen, the sins here are self-explanatory. I'm not going to get into them. But what I want to focus on is the motivations for not committing them. 
He says this in Ephesians 5, 3 and 4, if you'll follow along in the text with me this morning. But sexual immorality... I mean, just think about this for a second. I just want to pause on this one. So, I read this past week, and I can't remember the name of the person. But when they were younger, the, the parents had allowed them to have a, a, a sex change operation. And, and the person was saying, all I really needed, I, I wasn't emotionally disturbed, and I realized that now all I needed was to talk to a counselor. I didn't need to go through a sex change, and I am so repentant today. Kind of blaming the parents for allowing this to happen. Listen, church, it, it is not novice to us that our culture is going through some sick, sick things. When you remove the Word of God, which is all truth, and we're going to talk about exposing darkness today, but when you remove this from the home, when we forget that marriage is a, is a, is a covenant, that in the Scriptures it says, what, what God unites, let no man separate. When we forget these things, we realize that over 80% of all, all people in jail had no father in the home. We remove God from society. The absence of God is wickedness. And this should not surprise us as the body of Christ. And guys, the reality is for so long, we as the body of Christ have been unwilling to dive into the culture, to touch on these topics, to rescue people from darkness into light. You cannot rescue somebody that's in darkness if you don't go shine the light of Christ within it. And I'm going to talk more about that this morning, but... Guys, there's no, there's no surprise to us that we are in a sexual and moral pagan society. And I think some of the things we're doing today, pagans would have dreamed of in the day, but they had no way to do them. So sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Now remember, Paul in Ephesians is talking to the local church. He's talking to us. He says, these things should not even be named, practiced, spoken among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place for a believer, but instead let there be thanksgiving. What Paul's saying, church, is simply that immorality and covetousness have no place in a child of God's life. You no longer walk in darkness. When you come to the cross in the person of Jesus through His blood by faith and repentance, you no longer practice the things of darkness. You no longer walk in darkness. The Holy Spirit's given to you to sanctify you, to continually transform you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So Paul says these things have no place in the life of a believer. Now the question for us today is, do we allow these things into our life as a believer? See, see you're, you're here today to be trained to go into a world that needs the gospel. And through the preaching and edifying of the Word of God, this Word of God convicts me in things that I still need to, to get rid of in my life. But I'm called to walk in holiness. I'm called to grow in holiness. This is the purpose of coming to Him. So let's work through these motivations this morning against a life of darkness. Number one, it isn't appropriate for a believer. I mean, just simple things that Paul brings out that contrast the life of a believer 
and a life of somebody in darkness. Verse 3 again, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. See, these things don't edify the body of Christ. They tear down the body of Christ. And, and as a good church member, we ought to ask the question of, am I doing something to edify the body to the glory of God, or am I doing something to tear down the body to the glory of myself? It isn't appropriate in the body of Christ. That does not mean that we don't go out into the world to rescue people from these things. I think we need to be the best studiers of culture. We need to read books. We need, to be, we need to be learning how to reach these people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to be trained. Second, there is no inheritance in God's kingdom for those who, pra- for those who practice these things. Paul says in Ephesians 5.5, 5, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Reminds me a little bit of Matthew 7 when, when we're before the throne of God. And, and this is a scary verse, guys. And he says, hey, Lord, we did all of these things for you. And Jesus says, I never knew you apart from me. Depart from me. I never knew you. See, it's one thing to believe that God exists, but it's another thing to give your life to him in submission. There is no inheritance. Make no mistake, Paul says, there is no inheritance for somebody that practices these things. Number three, the wrath of God is upon them. Let no one deceive you with empty words, things that have no value. And guys, I I mean, you turn on the news today and there's empty words everywhere, isn't there? And, And so how am I going to, as a believer in Jesus Christ, discern what is true and what is not true. Well, James says, if I lack wisdom to ask God, and He will give it to me. Guys, if if you want to know what is true and what is not true, how to discern these things, you have to be in God's Word to gain wisdom from it. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Wow. It is a scary thing to be under the wrath of God. I'm so thankful that Romans 5 talks about we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God, not wrath. And guys, the reality is it is a scary thing to be under God's wrath. The scarier thing is when the body of Christ is unwilling to go reach them in darkness. See, because we know, we know the end for them. And yet so many of us are unwilling to go into the culture to to shine the light of Christ. We might be scared because I don't know how to do it. We might be scared because, hey, the culture's gonna gonna reject me. Leave that up to God. You be faithful in sharing the message of the gospel. Sometimes we think we're we're responsible for for the growth, and we're not. We're responsible for the seed and the water, and God will give the growth. If I know somebody is destined to eternity in hell and Jesus says, listen, they're condemned already because they do not believe, I want to be able to get the word of God to people that don't believe. 
so that they have an opportunity to respond to the message of the gospel so that one day they'll be walking in light as well. Let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things the wrath of God comes upon them. Number four, they're not fruitful. Guys, if we go back to the, to the, to the Old Testament, Genesis 1, all the way through, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. You're going to be fruitful because you're going to be my representatives on earth. I'm giving you a responsibility. I'm giving you a command to be fruitful. And what Paul says is, listen, these things that God told us in Genesis 1, they're, not, they're, they're supposed to be the fruitful things, but the way of darkness is not. And Paul says in Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So are we exposing them? I'm so thankful for that movie, The Sound of Freedom. In Iquitos, we have a huge child trafficking, sex trafficking market in the jungle of Peru where we live in Iquitos. And guys, when, when we showed the movie, they were impacted. Some people brought their own pastors. Why? Because it's personally affected them. They want to stop it. And what this thing does is it should burden us with getting our hands in the dirtiness of culture to stop these evil things that are happening. We have to stand in between the living and the dead, as Christ did, but his, he's calling his body to do the same thing, guys. Are we, are we excited about seeing people come to Jesus Christ? So expose these works. Number five, they're shameful. He says, for it is shameful in verse 12. It is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. See, you and I were once in this position. You think of all the shameful things we have ever done. I've done many of them. Many of them. And the great miracle of all guys is that God takes away our shame. I no longer have to be depressed about what I did in the past. I get to be joyful about how I'm going to live in the future. He takes away this shame that people who walk in darkness, that our darkness, commit. In fact, the Bible talks about that. We're going to get into to the Scripture more about this shameness that, that comes. But it is shameful to walk in darkness. I want to talk about the illuminated life this morning. We're going to go back to verse 1. And Paul says, listen, if you're going to walk in light, you have to copy the Father. You, you come into light through faith and repentance, but once you're in light, our, our responsibility is to imitate God the Father. And so he says this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. He doesn't say imitate God to be a child. He says because you are a child of God, you will imitate the Father. We just read, guys, there is no darkness in the Father. There is no darkness in the Son, and there is no darkness in the Holy Spirit. So what he says is, if there is no darkness in God the Father, and you're called to imitate God the Father because He has adopted you as sons and daughters, he says, so live your life in a way as God the Father lives. That's our motivation. 
Number one, children of God practice love. I'm not talking about a blind love that condones sin, that celebrates sin. No, we walk in love loving our neighbor by preaching the truth. If they have a need, we meet that need so that they'll open their heart to respond to us when we're preaching the gospel to them. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians 1. Walk in love. Let it be your calling card in life. This is how you live your life. You are clothed with love for people who walk in darkness, and you are clothed in love for your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And guys, the reality is, if I don't love the people in this church sitting with me in this building, how am I ever going to love those that are outside? Jesus says, the world will know you are my disciple by the way you love one another. Can I just ask a question to you this morning? You know what I love about Latin America? I don't have to call somebody to go to their house. Those of you that have lived in Latin America or visited Brian and Chris, they know what I'm talking about. People are sitting on their sidewalks. You walk by their home, they're going to invite you in their house. They'll spend hours with you not looking at a clock. They just like to have fellowship. And these are, these are people that aren't believers in Christ. So the question I have for you today is we, we talk about love and walking in love is how many times outside of a church setting do you guys fellowship with each other? That's a convicting thing. We're called to live together as the body of Christ to impact the world that sees how much we truly love each other and wants that love. So he says, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See what happens when I'm walking in love? I'm actually sacrificing myself for the benefit of others. I, when I'm walking in love, there's sometimes I'm going to have a need, but you know what? I forget about my own need to meet the need of others. And what I figure out really quick is that God's already met this need. It's about trust. And society tells us, no, it's about what's better for you. It's about getting it quick. It's about meeting my needs, my emotional needs. And see, the reality is if I'm walking in love, meeting the needs of others, I'm going to find out real quick that my needs are being met, my, no, my emotional needs are being met, because I'm going to feel good about serving somebody else. Culture says things opposite. Get it here, get it now. I want to beat the Joneses. I want more things, more things, more things. And pretty soon we accumulate these things that have no value. Children of God practice love. Verse 14 says, in a, or Colossians 3.14 says, and above all these things, put on love. Don't just practice them. You clothe yourselves with them. This is your life. This is who you are in Christ. And he says, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I, I don't know the inner workings of the church, but I just feel like I need to say this this morning because I've seen so many churches destroyed and I truly love the body of Christ. Guys, when I'm walking in love and I got something to complain about at church, it doesn't matter 
You know why it doesn't matter? Because the focus is on the glory of the King. So many times we think we have a vision that's better than everybody else's. And the reality, guys, is this is Satan working in darkness because the only thing we should be focused on is the mission of the King. Making disciples. Guys, when we truly start to love each other, and the world sees that we truly, we truly care and have affection for one another, guys, the world's going to want the church. The world's going to want Christ. And I think so much of what's happening in the denomination and, and all of these things is, is we get focused on needs instead focused on mission. Be focused on the mission of the king. John 13, 34 and 35 says this, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you have that this morning? Can you truly say looking around this room today that I truly love you and I would give my life for you? Wow. Wow. Number two, children of God are illuminated for the world to see. Ephesians 5.8 says this, For at one time you were darkness. Guys, this doesn't say I was walking in it. I participated. The reality that Paul brings out is, guys, you were darkness. You had no light in you at all. And he says, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. Pierre, the next slide in the picture. Pierre is a guy that He's in, a, he's in the black shirt there. This past week, I met him. We have a church planter, Joel Lima, who's planting church for us in, in Iquitos. And he knows Pierre. Joel likes music, so they play in a band, and they play birthday parties or whatever. He's building relationships with people. Pierre plays for another band. And he came to watch the movie and was just so impacted. He said, can I follow you guys all week? He didn't ask for anything. He just wanted to follow us. I sat him down one day at a meal and I said, Pierre, why do you, why do you like to hang around Joel? Remember, Joel's our church planter. And he said, because when Joel walks in a room, it lights up. When he walks into the room, there's life. This is coming from a guy who doesn't follow Christ, doesn't know Christ. And yet he says, Joel, when he walks in a room, there is light that shines. I want to follow him. Wow. Wow. Guys, how many of us, when we walk in a room, people would say, man, there's light in the room, and they just beg you to be in the room with them. They'll invite you to birthday parties. They'll invite you to everything because you bring life to the party because the, the life of Christ shines from you to the world, and you truly love people. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I'm blown away. I haven't been in Peru very much, but I know my church planter's been faithful to plant churches. He's building relationships in society, and people want to be around him. That's what it's about. Do people in my neighborhood want to be around me? The other question I have for you guys is how many of you actually know your neighbors? See, in Peru, my neighbors know everything about me, and I know everything about them. Part of that is because our walls butt up against each other. But they know. 
And they watch how you're walking in life. It's not just about the message we proclaim, guys. It's about how we live out the message we're proclaiming. You don't go with empty words when you're preaching the gospel and it's empty because people see you don't truly love them. When people see you don't truly care about them. This is what Paul's talking about. In the church a lot, we walk around with empty words and we say, I love you, and we don't do anything to show them we do. Paul says that is not the life of a believer of somebody that's in light. That's like somebody that's in darkness. Number three, we'll move through these quickly. People who walk in light are fruitful in righteousness. Look, look at what Paul says in 5.9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, all that is right, and all that is true. Do we have those things? Are, are you doing everything good? Everything that is righteous? Are you speaking truth? Or half lies? Galatians 5, Paul writes this, but the fruit of the Spirit, notice it's one fruit, not various. He says the fruit is love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against these things there is no law. How am I going to grow in patience if God doesn't put people around me that help me grow in patience, right? How am I going to grow in goodness if I'm, if I'm never put in a situation to be good to somebody else? He stretches us to make us like his son. When you're in a situation you don't like and you have to practice these things, glory to God. Do it with all joy because he is molding you into the likeness of his son. And guys, more than anything, Jesus says in John 15, 8, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove yourself to be my disciples. Are you proven faithful? Number four, they expose darkness. Paul says in 5.11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. John 3.19 through 21 says this. Write these scriptures down because I want you to dive into them when you get home. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. That's the shamefulness. And you know what's happening? Don't you think that, that the, the media companies of the United States are trying to hide the sound of freedom? Movie theaters are cutting it off in the middle. Why? Because they don't want to expose their works of darkness. And guys, the reality is they're involved in these things too. I remember in the nation of Peru several years ago, there was a drug trafficker that lived in Lima, and they were fighting for, for the port with another, another uh, drug trafficking organization. He comes back from Mexico on his way home in his car. Cars pull up beside him. They start spraying machine gun bullets into his car. He gets out alive and he leaves his cell phone. And you know what was on the cell phone? His contacts with the highest people in government, even the president's. See, sin tells us, man, it kind of convicts us, right? We know we're not doing the right thing, but we don't want to be put to shame, so we kind of hide it. And the reality, guys, is you can't hide it. It will always be exposed. It's better to deal with it through repentance than deal with it through shame. So I'm going to talk about this process of illumination, and we're going to stop. Here's what happens in our life. See, the reality is each one of us before Christ, we have this veil over our face. We're in darkness. 
We don't know where we're going. It would be like walking through here this morning with a blindfold and we're tripping over everything. We're tripping. We don't know where we're going. We don't know the direction we want to go into. We're, we're just walking in darkness. And the reality is it's killing us. And Paul says this, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So what happens? Psalms 119, 130 says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. You know what we do when we preach the word of God? We connect the dots. You have this veil over your face. You're walking in darkness. The Spirit of God, through the proclamation of the Word of God, begins to unfold and make sense of the Word of God. Make sense of your state with Him. Make sense of how holy He is and the need for a Savior. And He comes in and this Word of God so penetrates you because it is light. And we preach this light to people. And it exposes their sin. And then Jesus says this in John 12. So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. What is he saying? I am the light of the world. And while I'm with you, while the Word of God is still being preached, walk in the light. You come into the light because there's going to be a time where there's no possibility of doing so. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John 12. John 8. In fact, let's go to John 12, 36. He says, while you have the light, believe in the light. He says, believe it, that you may become sons of light. What did Paul just say? You were darkness, but now you are light. The veil becomes off, and you guys know, if I've been blindfolded for a while, and I come in and I just stare at a light, what happens? It kind of blinds me, but the more, I, the more time... I'm in the light, what happens? Everything becomes clearer and clearer until it's high definition. You guys remember the old TVs we used to have? I'm, 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 I'm that old. And I remember the first time at my uncle's furniture store when I was working there, guys, when we got a high definition TV through, through a Blu-ray player. Blew my mind. Because I began to see things I couldn't see on TV before. Now we have 8K, 4K. You can watch a a football game, and you can see the little speck of grass that's, that's white and it's out of bounds. Guys, it is incredible. See, the more we walk with Christ in light, the more everything becomes visible. The more I'm understanding everything. The more I walk in wisdom, the more I'm able to discern what's true and what's not true in the culture. How to deal with it, how to preach about it. And Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, now get this church, don't lose this, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Why did I call this message illuminating? See what happens, that veil's removed. The light of Christ begins to expose my sin. I respond to the conviction and repentance and faith. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in me and He begins to illuminate the light of Christ through me and I am lit up for the whole world to see. And this is why your words cannot be empty words without practice. You must practice what you preach. You must walk the walk and not just talk the talk as we said. I'm going to end with this this morning.
Roger. I'm the next picture to end this. Roger, the guy second to the left. The main Gnostic teacher in Iquitos. Our church planter, Joel, got to know him through one of the girls in our church named Perla. Joel just didn't preach to him. Joel built a relationship with him. And over a year of walking through the Scriptures and discipleship, Roger says, I believe. Roger went from being the main Gnostic teacher in Iquitos, being darkness, to saying, I want to follow Jesus. I believe the message of the cross. And the main Gnostic teacher in the whole city comes to Jesus and is baptized. And says, Joel, I want you to go teach other Gnostic people in Iquitos. Wow! Do you see the value of building relationships? Do you see the value of not just preaching it, but living it out daily, sacrificially, meeting the needs of others. And I want to ask you one last question this morning. Who are you imitating? I don't know who you are, but here's what I do know. Guys, you can be in a church 40 years and not know Christ. You can be in a church 40 years, hearing the message 30 years, 20 years, one week. It doesn't matter. What matters is that when the Spirit of God convicts you through His Word, that you say, okay, I'm done with darkness. Expose what you need to expose. Deal with what you need to deal with because I'm going to follow Jesus. Who are you imitating this morning? Are you dark? Or is that light of the gospel shining through you this morning? I'm going to invite the worship team up. I want to give you an opportunity. Guys, because what's happened, Jesus says no one can come to the Father but through me. And it's the Spirit of God that draws you to Him. He draws you to Him through conviction, through the Word of God. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Guys, maybe it's about, hey, I've had things that I haven't been trusting God with, but I want to trust Him this morning. I want the Word of God to penetrate your heart to where you love it so much you're willing to have it illuminate through you. Let me pray. As they sing this morning, if you need to come to the altar, you can do so. Father, yes, we are so grateful today. Father, that the greatest miracle of all is that you rescued us from darkness and you transformed us into light. God, and for that, we owe you everything. Our prayer is to live sacrificially for you. God, that we would not have a life of empty words, Father, but we would have an illuminated life, one that glorifies you. And God, may you so work in Oak Ridge that, Father, there would, would be a great awakening here. And God, that there would be a great movement of you started here at Oak Ridge Baptist Church. Would you light a fire under this, under this body to be illuminated for you in a dark, dark world? We praise your holy name today. And we submit to your will in our life. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen.